0: Hey folks, Andy Patton here. The Zags are once again the outright champions of the West Coast Conference after defeating the Gales of St. Mary's on Tuesday evening, 82-69, to behind outstanding performances from their guards. We're going to have a full recap of that game and what is coming up next for this Gonzaga team. All right here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is going on, you Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga Podcaster Andy Patton, here to take you through another outstanding season of Gonzaga Hoops. Amazing selection, reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day. And for those of you who have checked the show out on YouTube, still climbing towards that 500 subscriber goal, hoping to hit that before the end of the NCAA tournament. So if you're listening to the show, have not done that yet, just go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags, hit that subscribe button. I would really appreciate it. Well, the Zags secured themselves an official bid in the NCAA tournament, not that that was up for debate, and also won the WCC championship outright. And perhaps more importantly to a lot of fans, they proved that they can beat St. Mary's after losing to them in Moraga just 11 days. Previously, it was a great performance from the Zags. The most important takeaway from this game, hands down, was Gonzaga's ability to win this game without strong performances from either Chet Holmgren or Drew Timmy. We saw them both struggle significantly the last time these two teams played in Moraga. But unfortunately, that game did not result in a win. It resulted in a significant loss for the Zags in terms of score. They managed to make it a little bit closer in the second half, but got beat down pretty good by a very good St. Mary's team. St. Mary's once again looked really good in this game. It was a 13-point game. It was a 10-point game throughout most of the game, finished the first half at 10 points. St. Mary's eventually crawled all the way back, I believe, within two, at least within four, somewhat late in the second half. I personally never really felt like St. Mary's got as far back in it as they actually did. It's just a weird perception thing. I'm guessing a lot of fans out there felt this as well, where it felt like that San Francisco game, which never got closer than eight. Felt like that game got a lot closer than this St. Mary's game, which got within two. I think part of that is just because St. Mary's offense was so inconsistent that even when they would have stringed together a couple of good possessions in a row, it never felt like they were going to put together a big enough run to actually overtake Gonzaga in the scoring column. Of course, Gonzaga's guards played phenomenal as well. And that's really what I want to talk about. Chet Holmgren had eight points, eight boards, two steals, and a block. It wasn't a horrible game. By any stretch of the imagination, but it was a bad shooting night for a player that does not have bad shooting nights. Three for nine from the field, oh for four from three. They were good looks. Too he was not taking a lot of bad shots. That's not something Chet Holmgren really does. They just weren't going down. He was showing a lot of frustration as well. And that's something that is a little I don't I don't know that concerning is the right word, but it's it's something I'm gonna be watching. Going forward, it's it's rare to see him so visibly frustrated, showing that level of emotion. There's a maturity aspect to that that I think probably needs to get tightened up. He's a very young player who hasn't struggled much in his career. I think he really wanted to come out and have a good game here after not having a good game against his team last time out. For him to struggle and miss shots that he normally makes was hard on him, you could tell. He still played very good defensively, didn't have huge block numbers, but was altering a lot of shots. The impact of him coming out of the game was noticeable immediately, with how Logan Johnson and Tommy Kusi attacked the rim as soon as he was sitting on the bench. So obviously still a player that makes a significant impact. Drew Timmy, 10 points, four boards, three assists. Drew didn't actually have that bad of a game. He was four of six from the field, two of two from the free throw line. He just wasn't utilized that much. St. Mary's did a very good job of figuring out how to take the basketball out of his hands. They doubled immediately, but more than that, they really prevented the, the Zags from even getting the ball down to him in the paint. They took away a lot of the passing lanes that Gonzaga has utilized in the past to get him the ball, and when he did get the ball, he's an angle scorer. I believe Dave Fleming said that on the broadcast, the way that he kind of moves his body around to get positions around the basket where he can score from. Matthias Toss and everybody else on St. Mary's did a good job of taking those angles away from him. But again, four of six from the field, so it was more of an... He just didn't take as many shots as normal, and, and St. Mary's strategy was don't make don't let jortimi beat us don't let chad Holmgren beat us and so the zags said okay <laughs> we will beat you another way and they needed to prove that they're capable of doing that they have been multiple games this year where they've won because of their guards, but they haven't done it all that often against very good teams. Texas Tech is a pretty notable example of a team that they defeated primarily because of good guard play. Obviously, Andrew Nemhard had a phenomenal game against UCLA, but he was not the only one who had a good game. This game in particular drew Timmy Chet Holmgren combined for 18 points, and the Zags drop 82 points against a very good defensive team in St. Mary's and secure a 13-point victory. That's a huge story that needs to be celebrated. It should scare the hell out of some of the teams in the NCAA tournament that might run into Gonzaga because there is way more than just one way that this team can beat you. Andrew Nemhart was phenomenal in this game. Absolutely phenomenal. He won the West Coast Conference, most outstanding player in the WCC tournament. Well-deserved award for him. 19 points, seven assists, three rebounds, two steals, and only one turnover in this game. The two, The Seven assists is not bad for him. He had I think he only had one in the second half or one in the first half, something like that, uh, because he was doing so much scoring in this game. Eight of 16 from the field. I did not look back through the box scores, but I imagine there's not a lot of games where Nembhard has taken 16 field goal attempts, but that was what the Zags needed from him today. Eight of 16 from the field, three of five from deep. He was an absolute maestro offensively, ran the pick and roll to perfection. Mid-range Nemhard was in full effect, hit a lot of his shots in that little kind of soft spot uh, at the top of the key, went to the basket with reckless abandon, and hit some key outside shots as well. But it wasn't just Nemhard. We talked about this after the San Francisco game. We've talked about bench production being an issue for the Zags, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Roz Bolton and Julian Strother needed to step up and demonstrate that they could be dynamic, score-first offensive weapons for this team. And they both had huge performances against the Gales. Strother, in particular, in the first half was money. I, I think we felt like he was due for a big game. He's in Las Vegas. He's in the very same arena that he dropped 48 points as a high school senior at Liberty High School. He did not have a good game against the Dons. He, he really didn't do anything against San Francisco. It wasn't a horrifically bad shooting night. He just was a non-factor on offense, kind of one of one of Gonzaga's only players against San Francisco who really just didn't have it for most of the game. So he comes out in this game immediately ready to roll. 16 points, five of six shooting, three of three from downtown, only missed one shot. He did most of his damage in the first half to the point where when Gonzaga was in a lull period, which they had a pretty big lull period in the first half, the first half of the first half, really. Uh, He he was the go-to guy. They were feeding him the ball. They were letting him play isolation basketball, which is not something that Mark Few and Gonzaga does all that often. But he was finding his spots. He was getting his buckets. And nobody else on offense was really doing a lot consistently in the first half. Nembhard and Bolton had a lot of their performance in the second half. But Strother was huge for this team. In the first half, you, there's a strong argument that they don't win this game or they have go into that, that second half with a lot less momentum if he doesn't do what he did in the first half. A huge performance for him in front of his friends, in front of his family, coming off of a bad night, shows the maturity that he has, the ability he has to be a huge factor for this team. And then there's Ros Bolton, the X-Factor, the kind of hidden gem on this Gonzaga roster, a player that rarely gets mentioned when people talk about Gonzaga's best players, uh, but he was huge in this game. 18 points, 5 of 8 shooting, 2 for 3 from downtown, 6 for 7 from the free throw line. A huge part of his game in this one was getting into the lane, drawing contact, getting to the charity stripe. Again, most of his damage in the second half. This is what he did last time the Zags played St. Mary's. He single-handedly brought this team from a 15-point deficit to within 6 In the second half, he had a big second half against the Dons as well and, of course, had a nice game here. Uh, A phenomenal player. Bolton is very clearly going to be a huge part of what this team does in the NCAA tournament. If he reverts back to being fifth, sixth option, not getting out in transition, not hunting for his shot, not trying to get to the free throw line... That could cause some problems for this team uh, when you look at depth scoring, when you look at how teams are gonna try to guard them. He's gonna be a factor because teams are really gonna focus on how do we shut down Drew Timmy, how do we shut down Chet Holmgren, and how do we stop Andrew Nembhard from being such a menace in the pick and roll. And teams that's going to be team's focus. Every single team is going to focus on those three things. Because if you don't, if you don't prioritize stopping those three things, you're going to lose 100% of the time. If you stop those three things at least as efficiently as you can, you have a chance against the Zags, but not if Strother's dropping 16 points on 5 of 6 shooting. Not if Bolton's going to go 2 for 3 from downtown, hit 6 free throws, and drop 18 points. If he's going to hit step-back threes like that ridiculous shot that he hit with a few minutes left in this game, if he's going to be doing stuff like that, it's curtains for whatever team is playing the Zags. That is such a ridiculous performance from him. And then after all of that, Strother having a great game, Nembhard having a great game, Bolton having a great game. Then you get Anton Watson. Watson coming off the bench, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 24 minutes, 5 of 6 shooting. This was a critical, crucial performance for the Zags. Chad Holmgren and Drew Timmy didn't have it in this game. Again, Timmy, four of six shooting. He wasn't a super inefficient player like he's been in the past against St. Mary's, but he was not able to get the looks that he wanted to get. Chet Holmgren wasn't putting the shots through the rim. There was a little bit of foul trouble with those guys, not as bad as it was against San Francisco, but still became a factor for them in this game. And then Watson came in. He's been struggling the last couple of weeks. He's been struggling against better opponents. He comes in, he looks aggressive immediately. He's looking for his shots. He's crossing people up. He's using pump fakes and up and under moves to get lay ins around the rim. He's playing outstanding defense, which we've come very accustomed to with him. Uh, A really, really nice game from Watson. If he's this coming off the bench, if he can give you, I said, if he can give you 18 to 20 good minutes, he gave them 25 very good minutes in this game. If he's playing like this, It's really difficult for front court players to get any level of comfortability against the Zags. They cannot get comfortable on offense because Chet and Anton and even Drew Timmy are good enough defensively to frustrate you, and they cannot even take a single possession off defensively because any of these three guys are capable of scoring around the basket, and a couple of them can really step out and knock it down as well. Monster performance from Anton Watson, a key piece for this team going forward. All right, second segment, we're going to look at what's next for this Gonzaga team, what they still need to touch up between now and the first round of the NCAA tournament. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bilt Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most bill Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Bilt.com, use promo code Locked15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code Locked15 for 15% off at built.com Today's podcast is also sponsored by Stat Hero. Stat Heroes NCAA single game pick'em pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. StatHero gives you the advantage resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because StatHero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. In addition to Pick'em Games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head-to-head. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with the set of players you choose. StatHero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fix. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on, promo code locked on, for a 100% match. All right, segment two. Still Eddie still Locked On Zags. I want to thank you all again for making Locked On Zags your first listen every day. And I want to remind you to make sure to check out the Locked On Bracket Breakdown Show coming out on March 14th right here on the Locked On Zags podcast feed and YouTube channel. College basketball expert Chris Gordy, myself, and betting expert Lee Sterling are there to give you in-depth breakdowns on every matchup in the NCAA tournament to help you fill out your bracket. Speaking of brackets, that's what I want to talk about here in the second segment. The biggest thing that likely happened with Gonzaga's win over St. Mary's on Tuesday is that they have likely locked up the number one overall seed. What that means is they will likely be the number one seed in the West region playing Their first round games in Portland, Oregon. That is the assumption Gonzaga will get to choose where they want to play or at least make a request on where they would like to be seeded. The committee typically grants that the number one overall seed. Uh, This is normally not super relevant because Gonzaga is often the only West region or West Coast team to be a number one seed. So they're normally going to get pitted out in the West region. That is, of course, a bit more up for grabs this year because of Tommy Lloyd's Arizona team. Arizona is the only other team that has a really legitimate argument for number one overall seed. That, of course, would require them to win the Pac-12 title outright. If they do not do that, I think it's not. There's there's no debate that Gonzaga will get that number one seed in the West region. If Arizona does win the Pac-12, manages to get a victory over USC or UCLA in the meantime, that could. Could complicate things a little bit. I still think Gonzaga's going to take it. Most ESPN bracketologists or other bracketologists or broadcasters have kind of mentioned that they think Gonzaga has this thing pretty much in the bag. Uh, again, I think Arizona is the only kind of team that's really going to challenge for that. So it'd be great for the Zags to play in Portland. Uh, personally, I would love that because I would be able to go to the game. I know there are many Gonzaga fans located in the Portland area who would probably attend those games as well. So we're selfishly hoping for that reason. It also helps because it means Gonzaga likely gets a quote-unquote weaker number two seed. Uh, when you're talking about number two seeds, they're all pretty darn good, so it's hard to know how that shakes out. There's four teams that are really competing for those last two number one seeds uh, outside of Gonzaga and Arizona. That's Baylor, Auburn, Kansas, and Kentucky. I think it's very, very slim chance that Gonzaga gets any of those teams as their number two seed. I think... Probably Baylor-Auburn is my guess for the other two number one spots. And then Kansas and Kentucky are your top two number two seeds. Uh, Villanova and Duke are probably the other number two seeds. They're in that conversation. There are a couple other teams that are kind of right in that range as well. Texas Tech, Wisconsin, Purdue, kind of right in the mix potentially for a number two seed. Uh, The latest bracket from Lucas Harkins at Heat Check College Basketball, a guest of the podcast last week. He had Gonzaga and Duke as the number two seed on that side. Uh, I, I'm cool with that. I, I know Duke obviously defeated Gonzaga, so some people won't want to see them be the team on that side. Uh, I This Duke team is not playing particularly well right now. I'm not entirely confident they would even be the team that Gonzaga would match up against in the Elite Eight if that was the way the bracket shook out. If it is, I think this Gonzaga team is much more improved than where they were at that time than Duke. Duke did get A.J. Griffin back. He was not in the mix at the time, last time these two teams played. So that is a factor that Gonzaga would have to defend, and he's a really talented player. But I think Gonzaga would would be able to take care of Duke. Nova would be a tough matchup as well, but again, I think a team that they they match up fairly well against Kansas and Kentucky are the teams that scare me a little bit more. So locking up the number one seed likely means that they wouldn't have to end up facing those teams until a potential national championship or Final Four matchup. Uh, Other things that kind of resulted from this game, St. Mary's is still according to Lucas Harkins, on the number five line. That has not changed for them. Uh, I could see them dropping just because other you know there's a lot of conference tournaments still to go. There are a lot of teams that are going to win a game that they weren't expected to win, which could bump them up. St. Mary's is a pretty easy team to bump down because they lost their most recent game, even though it was a loss to the number one overall team in the country. And even though they defeated Santa Clara, which is a decent win for them, it's not as good of a win as some of these other teams are going to pick up, unfortunately. My guess, and I'm not a bracket expert, Expert, but my guess is St. Mary's probably ends up on the sixth line. Worst case, seven line. Seven line would be, that would be a, a pretty bummer result. <laughs> For St. Mary's, I think they're better than being a seven seed. I think a six seed or even a five seed is definitely where they should be. Kind of the conversation that they should be in. They're a very dangerous team. We know that as Gonzaga fans. Uh, they're offensively, if they're playing well, they're really, really tough to beat because their defense is so methodical and and so good at limiting teams' opportunities to score that they can beat just about anybody in the country. When you beat the number one team, you've got to feel pretty confident that you can beat just about anybody. But they. Need to have that offense going in order to avoid some potentially uh, not so good losses for them when they get in the NCAA tournament. I'm in mean, USF uh, didn't obviously didn't change uh, because they did not play on Tuesday night, but they remain a number nine seed on most bracketology uh, reports that I'm seeing. Uh, one has them playing North Carolina in the first round in what would be a very fun. matchup. I'd be really interested to see that. Hopefully, Johan Misalski is healthy for the Dons going forward because if they have to go into the NCAA tournament without their second best player, it's going to make the results not so good and unfortunately feed into the narrative that, that the WCC is maybe not as good as they seem. And that would be an unfortunate reason for that narrative to continue because USF is clearly a very different team when Misalski is healthy and playing well. So the biggest thing that we talked about with this game, the Zags proved they can win without Drew Timmy and Chad Holmgren playing great. The question is how sustainable that is. The Zag shot 8 for 12 from 3, not including Chet Holmgren. Holmgren was 0 for 4, so the team shot 8 for 16, which is still obviously phenomenal. 50% of your 3s going down is elite-level stuff. 75% of your 3s going down by players not named Chet Holmgren is, I can say pretty comfortably, not sustainable. That does not mean that Gonzaga won't get hot from beyond the arc. Uh, in future games, they've done that before. They will do it again, almost certainly. But there's a, there's a cause To be a little bit concerned about, hey, if Chet can't, if he's not knocking down threes, like we can't expect the rest of the team to knock him down over 50% of the time. That's just not a a sustainable outcome for this team. So that's something to monitor. I don't think Chet has lost his touch. That would be a far too extreme reaction to take out of this game. He just didn't make some shots he normally makes. It happens. It's one of those things. It's, it would be nice to see him have a really good game against a, a, a really good team like St. Mary's. He's going to get plenty of opportunities to do so in the NCAA tournament. I suspect that we'll see some really magical moments from him in the NCAA tournament against very, very good teams. But he's, he's in a little bit of a rut right now. And I don't think the Zags can comfortably say that they can just win six games in the NCAA tournament without Chet Holmgren playing really, really well. Uh, The Zags also shot 14 of 18 from the free throw line. That needs to continue. Good free throw shooting is a huge part of the NCAA tournament. It always has been. And so for the Zags, if they can knock down 70 plus percent of their free throws, get up close to 80 percent, that's going to help them win a lot of potentially close games in March. And then the last thing, a big thing that's been a topic of conversation for the last few weeks has been bench production. We talked a lot about Anton Watson in the first segment, his 10 points, five assists, or excuse me, five rebounds in 24 minutes off the bench. The rest of the bench was Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman. They combined for just one point. Between the two of them, Salas had the point. It was a free throw. He went 0-for-1 from the field in seven minutes. Also had an assist. Also didn't get credit on his best play of the game, which was a fast-break runout where he drove aggressively to the basket, swung it out to Andrew Nembhard for three. Nembhard caught it, immediately flipped it to Julian Strother. Strother knocked down a three. It was a beautiful play of basketball all capped by no one or excuse me by Hunter Salas making a great read aggressively attacking the basket kicking it out really nice play from him he also played great defensively absolutely phenomenal on Tommy Kusi he played good defense on Logan Johnson he was frustrating these guys away from the rim he was an absolute menace on that end of the floor Hickman, seven minutes, and he just he didn't do anything statistically. There was nothing in the stat sheet that showed up. He didn't miss any shots. He did not turn the basketball over. Neither he or Salas had a turnover, or Watson for that matter. Zero turnovers from the bench. That's helpful. That's that's a pretty pretty key thing for this Gonzaga team to be able to do, especially against St. Mary's where they struggled to, to take care of the basketball. Hickman also played very good defense. He drew a charge in this game, which, again, doesn't go in the stat sheet, but was a nice play for him. Uh, and I don't, I don't mind – I would like to see him knocking down shots, obviously. It's always important when your bench players can, can add to your team offensively. But he's not missing shots. Like that that's to me, he's he's taking care of the basketball, he's not turning it over, he's playing good defense, he's just not adding a whole lot. I would like to see more. We saw more from him earlier in the year. It's been a little bit disappointing to see his performance kind of regress as the year has gone on. That's likely partly fatigue because the season is so long. It's partly the increased performance from Andrew Nembhard, which has just sapped some of his minutes. But I do think the Zags they're going to need these guys, at least on the defensive end of the floor. Salas has proven he's more than capable of being that guy. Hickman right now is a bit more of the odd man out in terms of where he fits into this team uh, when they're looking for minutes from the bench in March. And then the last thing is just, are we going to see some of the injured Zags that we haven't seen yet? Dom Harris, he's been dressed for the last couple of games. He has not stepped on the floor. I would be very surprised if his first minutes of the season come in the NCAA tournament, that would be a surprising decision from Mark Few. Uh, just because he hasn't been playing with this team, he hasn't been up to full speed. Um, he, maybe he's going in practice. Maybe he's going 100% in practice. I know it sounds like he's been cleared from the team doctors. All of that is fantastic news. And Dominic Harris is capable of helping this team when he's fully healthy. But it's just a weird situation to figure out if, he does, if he's uh, worth getting him back into the mix right now. And then, of course, Ben greg Caden Perry have been injured the last few games. Have not seen either of them in a while. Neither of them are really ready to contribute significant minutes at this stage of the season against the kind of bigs that they're going to play. But it would be nice to know that there's at least somebody else on the bench we can turn to should foul trouble plague chat or Drew or Anton or some combination of those guys leading to them needing to look a little further down the bench for, for production. All right, that is going to do it for the second segment. We're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to switch gears, look at Lisa Fortier's women's team. They also punched their ticket into the big dance with a win over BYU in the WCC title game. Before we get there, though... Let's talk about Run Your Pool. March Madness is less than one week away. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you going for the best? We've done our homework here and we're running brackets with RunYourPool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. They have options to edit scoring and they offer more intel to make your picks. All stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain customers. Plus, they offer full customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we believe Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at RunYourPool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Peer Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing you there. This episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why and your often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business, serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. All right, segment three. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag, still talking WCC Championship action this time talking about Coach Lisa Fortier's women's team. The Gonzaga women went to the championship game on Tuesday night, facing off against number one seed BYU. At the time before the game, it looked almost certainly like the WCC was going to get two teams Into the NCAA tournament bracket, the Zags were considered a favorites to get an at-large bid, even if they did not win. They were 25 and five on the season heading into that game. They had two losses to Stanford, who they played twice in the non-conference slate. Two regular season losses to BYU, so they hadn't beaten any ranked teams, but they had cleaned house against basically everybody else they had played. It put them right squarely on the bubble despite being a top 25 team or top 30 team in the net ratings, top 40 by basically every other advanced metrics. They were still kind of right on that bubble line. But they took care of business, made sure there didn't have to be any sweating on the selection day for the women's women's bracket. They defeated BYU 71-59. to 59. They have now officially punched their ticket into March, securing the automatic qualifying bid from the WCC. BYU will certainly still make the tournament, so this is going to be a two-bid league on the women's side of things. A phenomenal season for Lisa Fortier's team. The latest bracket from ESPN has them as an 11 seed. Facing off against number six seeded North Carolina would be a fun matchup for them to be. They're going to be right in that 10, 11, 12 seed line most likely when that bracket comes out. I believe it's released on Monday typically. So we'll get a chance to see where the women are going to be playing, who they're going to be playing in the first round. Really nice game from the women's team. They held BYU to just nine points in the second quarter. That was where they they did some nice work to build themselves up a lead, and then they withstood a really nice barrage from BYU. BYU scored 21 points in the fourth quarter, but the Zags dropped 28 fourth-quarter points to storm back, to continue to keep their lead. Never let BYU get close enough to secure victory here. Again, won by 13 points, or excuse me, 12 points, 71-59. Melody Kempton was your most outstanding player for the WCC tournament. She had 15 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists on 6 of 11 shooting For the Lady Zags, but one of the calling cards for this team all season long has been balanced scoring. Kempton had 15 points, she led the team. The Trong twins had 14 and 12 respectively. Uh, Yvonne Ejim came off the bench 11 points and 3 rebounds. Just a really balanced scoring attack from the women's basketball team. This is a dangerous team. They're not quite as good as they've been in years past when they had Jill Townsend and Laura Stockton and a handful of other really, really talented players. But this is still a good team. A team that proved good enough to make the NCAA tournament in a bit of a quote-unquote down year. This is the kind of thing that Mark Few excels at on the men's side, is continuing to be good enough to punch your ticket into the big dance. Lately, of course, this has not been an issue on the men's side, but for decades they would have two or three really good years in a row. Maybe one out of every three years would be like kind of a darling team that would make the Sweet 16, make a push towards the Elite Eight, but then they'd have some down years where they would kind of struggle a little bit and still get them, get themselves in the tournament, still win a game or two. This is what Fortier is building here on the women's side. This a team that graduated a lot of very talented players from last year's roster. Uh, The Worth Twins, Jill Townsend, huge pieces last year for them all three to be gone, while BYU returned all of their talented players. Really tough spot for the Zags to be in. They fought like hell, they made it to the WCC championship game, and then they secured themselves a victory in another spot in the big dance. Really proud of this team. It's always a good day when you can watch the Zags win two WCC championships in the same arena within a couple hours of each other. Both punched their ticket to the big dance. As Stephen Carr, the former host of Locked On Zags, used to say at the end of every single one of his episodes, I'm going to borrow it today because it's never truer than on a day like Tuesday. It is a great day to be a Zag. All right, that is going to do it for this episode today. we got a guest coming on later in the week as we await Selection Sunday and the true start of March Madness. Right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Thank you again for making Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Now's a great time to make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.